Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son, ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. I'm moving someplace, and we're doing this in Carolina. The first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Forecast. Uh, joined as always with Wes and Corey. Uh, back from a little bit of a hiatus. Wes and uh, Corey carried the podcast last week, so thanks for that again, guys. Uh, this week, we're going to try to focus on a little bit more other than the quarterbacks, which we talked about mainly here in the draft, and that's kind of been our focus as far as free agency and trades as well. Uh, but we're going to talk about other position possibilities that we may look forward to uh, drafting at eight. Um, so we're probably going to dive into uh, receiving core, uh, Corey's going to talk a little bit about uh, offensive linemen, and then we're going to talk a little about secondary help. Uh, and then we'll probably uh, end things with uh, just talking about some memories of Panthers and maybe our top five uh, Panthers of all time, just trying to bounce those off of each other. Um, but, if Corey, uh, you want to talk a little bit about um, what the offensive line group's looking like? I know we had a, a lot of pro days this week that we attended um, outside of the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, there was Matt Rule out at uh, Kyle Pitts, Joe Grady, uh, was down at the LSU Pro Day, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but Brady was at uh, Mac Jones's for sure. And then we sent uh, Pat Meyer out to watch uh, Panay um, at Oregon. So, Corey, you want to talk a little bit about the uh, O-line guys and maybe uh, what we can do to hopefully sure up that left side of the line, that left tackle spot? Yeah, absolutely. So I've said it since the first episode, and I'm going to continue to preach it all offseason, uh, definitely during the draft is we need to work on the offensive line. I don't care how many skill position players that we have. I don't care how great of a quarterback we end up with behind center. It's not going to matter if the foundation isn't right and you start any good foundation from the lines out. Offensive line has been a huge weakness. It's no issue. I mean, it's, it's no secret that the offensive line has been a huge issue for literally as long as I can remember. And it's always been one guy after another that we just plug and play. We're in a unique situation that we've been in in the past couple of years and that we are high enough in the draft to actually get a worthwhile offensive offensive tackle. Um, and for this week, I happened to break down the top two, in my opinion, offensive tackles in this draft class. Uh, Panay Sewell, if that's how you say his name right, and Rishon Slater. Um, I'm going to start with Sewell just because he's everyone, I think, consensus, consensus top tackle in the class. And I'm going with everybody else because this kid's a freak, okay? Uh, he played at Oregon. Uh, he's a left tackle out of Oregon. He's a junior. He's 6'6". Six, six, wait for this. He's 6'6", six, six, 331 pounds, okay? This kid is a freak of nature. Um, he won the Outland Trophy for the nation's best offensive tackle as a uh, – I'm sorry, offensive lineman as a junior. In 926 snaps, he allowed zero sacks, 
and only one pressure, sorry, one QB hit and seven pressures. Absolutely ridiculous stats. Um, if you look at him, you, you think 330, like he's fat. I don't know if you guys saw his Instagram. I, I follow him on Instagram. I don't know if you saw his Instagram post for the shirt off in the, in the weight room the other day. He's the kid is solid. I mean, he's, like in running that 40 yard dash the other day, oh my. I mean, the man was moving. I mean, I can't, that, and I'm going to touch on that. Like I can't, I, if you haven't seen it, go look at it because it's just like a man that's that big that weighs that much weight shouldn't, should not look like that with his shirt off. I mean, I don't mean to get weird on this podcast, but I mean, it, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, so going back to the, to him as a prospect. So um, I really, I really broke him, wanted to break him down, uh, watched a couple games. And the first thing that stands out to me is like, like we mentioned how athletic this kid is. A man that 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 that's tall that weighs that much should not be able to move like he does in space. Uh, he reminds me of a defensive tackle, like an athletic defensive tackle. How athletic he is in the way he moves. Oregon likes to run those bubble screens. They like to get their uh, their their skill position players out in space with offensive linemen in, in in front of them. And the kid is just like running with down the field with the backs, and and the way he moves in space is is I I can't even. I'd describe it it's like it's like art i mean he's 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 so athletic they they love that zone running scheme as well so him moving getting up to linebackers is is absolutely ridiculous the way he can move the way he can he can dominate space is is insane he's got wonderful technique above average technique for college but technique is always something especially for college offensive linemen that you're going to have to work on in the pros and, and develop further um he he can lean um, that's one knock that I've seen on him is is sometimes he, he can lean and 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 get bent in uh in pass pro, especially with speed rushers. But again, we're talking about like nitpicky items here. We're talking that this is not something that happens all the time. This is just when he did get beat and he didn't get beat very much, if at all, in college. Uh he was a little bit susceptible to those smaller pass speed rushers on the outside. And you're gonna have a lot of that, a lot more of that in the NFL. Um, their players are just more developed and, and, and have an array of moves as opposed to some of these kids you're going to see in college. But um, the one knock on him again, and I think this is just draft season nitpicking people trying to overthink themselves. And I think he get it gets held against him for as big as he is. When you see someone that is six, six and 330 pounds, that's just an imposing force. And I think sometimes the people are nitpicking that he didn't just completely destroy people on every snap. And, I see people attribute it to he's got a lack of raw power, a lack of 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 a nasty streak is what they want to call it. And for me, I mean, I watched the offensive snaps of two games this weekend, and the the kid had six or seven knockdowns in each game. And I don't I don't think that if you're not dominating somebody every single play that it's you have a lack of power. I think again, it's just being how big he is is being held against him. So. In my opinion, at the bare minimum, this kid, his floor is a solid starting left tackle in the NFL for the next 10 years, and that's his floor barring injury. Whereas his ceiling for this kid with his athletic profile, with the upside he has in terms of his smarts and his play recognition, this kid can be a perennial all-pro. We're talking like a Joe Thomas-level tackle. So if the Panthers were able to – if there's a quarterback run, if if, if – if he falls, and I want to preface everything by saying that obviously quarterback is my number one goal. That's my number one want in this draft. But if if Justin Fields or Trey Lance or 
aren't there at eight, you you can you you're hitting a home run. Just turn the card in if Penesul's there because he's going to make you. Uh, he's going to lock it down one half of the line for for the next ten to fifteen years if he stays healthy, and and you don't ever have to worry about left tackle again, barring injury. So uh, you can't go wrong with the kid. Uh, I love him, and I would be thrilled thrilled with the Panthers if they drafted him. You know, great points there, and and what you kind of mentioned with it being draft season and draft talk, and people trying to find these stocks on these guys. I know last week uh, the big thing that came out on him where people were starting to criticize his uh, his reach, his arm length. Uh, I think it measured in at only 33 inches. It's 33 and a quarter. Okay. No, sorry. And no, sorry. No, his, his was 33 and five eighths. My bad. Okay. I've got it right here. 33 and five eighths. And you, again, man, like, come on, mm-hmm. you know, you're, he's, which I mean, that is small arms for somebody who's six, six, but go ahead, man. It's, I'm sorry. It's, it's, no, no, no. It's just people trying to find things to knock on them. And I'm glad you mentioned Joe Thomas because Joe Thomas also had I mean, his, his link was uh, similar to what Panay's is. I mean, right. it was 33. I don't know if it was a quarter or what, but you know, that's the film doesn't lie. I mean, you will go back and watch the film and, and that's what it comes down to. And in our situation, when's the last time we've had two tackles potentially if you pair Panay or even you get in the Slater, when's the last time we've had them on the left side and be able to have somebody as quality uh, and as good as Moten is on the right side. And especially not being late in their career. I mean, Moten is still young. Two thousands. We haven't, we haven't had that the entire. That's gross. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, if he's there at eight and and say Pitts is gone and say, you know, our other options are. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the guy. Don't don't overthink it. Um, But I'm I'm a fan of it. I I think today's probably the best tackle in the draft. I think he has been for the last two years. Yeah, Uh, he didn't play last year. He set it out, obviously, for good reasons. But yeah, um, Wes, what do you you think about uh, the offensive line guys in this draft? Um, So. First of all, I, I want to start by saying I don't think Sewell makes it to us. I, no, I, yeah. I, I really don't. I think there's there's three teams that need a tackle before it gets to us. And, I mean, the first one, the Jets, with with the trade up San Francisco made, it would shock me if, if they didn't make that for Wilson based on what, what, what I'm seeing out there. So that, that would tell me the Jets are going something else. Um, so first – the Jets, if the Jets make the first smart move they've ever made in franchise history and draft Sewell, that that's that's where I think he should go. Um, but on top of that, I, uh, the Bengals need to protect Burrow, or he's going to just end up doing what what happened last year every single year. So at at five there, um, and then honestly, every team above us could use could use him. The dude is a freak. I think he's one of the four or five guys that just won't be there when we pick. Just right. pretty much a lock. Um, best left tackle in 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 the draft in in a few years, I think. Yeah, I, I think. Sorry, bro. I think Cincinnati's probably is four, even though uh, Burrow's pushing for Chase. I still think that they'll probably go with Sewell. Um, go ahead, Corey. As I was say, you know, you look at guys like. I used to hate this dude um, until he, he he did apologize for the way he used to talk about Cam. But if you follow Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, uh, he used to play in the NFL. He's an offensive lineman. He played for the Panthers um, and a couple other teams. And he really – I like to follow him because he breaks down offensive linemen every week on Twitter with video analysis and all that. For the past two years, Jeff Schwartz has been stumping for Panay Sewell. I mean, he is, he did go to Oregon, so obviously he has some sort of home, hometown bias. But this, he he basically said that Sewell would have been the best player in last year's draft too, mm-hmm. as a junior or sorry, as a, yeah, as a sophomore. So um, that kid is the kids a, a can't miss. And like you guys are saying, 
this is in the crazy scenario that there's some kind of crazy trade up and teams just overthink themselves sometimes. And, and if he were to fall, I, I, you, you, that's the steal of probably the Panthers history. Honestly, it'd be the biggest, biggest steal the Panthers have ever gotten in a draft. So. <laughs> I mean, the last time that I was happy about a player falling to us was probably a uh, star. That was probably the, yeah. the last guy that unexpectedly fell to us with the whole heart issue, or yeah. I believe that was right. So, right, so you yeah. can see it that, that teams do outthink themselves. The draft is a crazy, crazy time, crazy time, and things, crazy things happen every year. So, yeah. exactly. There are people that think Justin Fields has character issues right now. <laughs> oh, Dan Orlovsky. Um, who was it? Somebody's mouth this week. Yeah, but somebody came out and and told him that that what he was saying was disrespectful and he had no right to say it. It was an ESPN guy, but I Bucky I can't Brooks. This week. Bucky that Brooks is. gave him the business this week. Man, somebody's got to. I mean, they're just trying to nitpick, and like you said, you're getting to that point in time, and it, whether it's teams putting it out, hoping to get him to fall, which I think a lot of it usually is. You know, there's a lot of stuff to go through with the back channels. Um, but I, I hate it for the kid. I mean, he's going to come in the league and have a chip on his shoulder. So anybody who passed on Justin Fields, you know, it, we've already talked in depth about that. So I might I hate it wanna... for the kid, but he, you know, it's going to cost him initial money. But he might yeah, end up going yeah. in a better situation because of it. You know, rather than going right. to the Jets or, you know, so right. Um, I know you got you have Slater to talk about, and Slater's a guy who I really don't know too much about. I haven't watched a lot of his film. I know he did come out and say that he thinks he is the best tackle in this draft. Um, so, Corey, you and our film helped me understand a little bit about him and, and the listeners as well. Yeah, so Rayshon Slater uh, at a Northwestern. Um, another, he did opt out again this past season. Um, so, the, he was a three-year starter at Northwestern. So, if you're going to Northwestern, you're obviously a smart kid. So, let's get that out of the way. The kid, the kid is highly intelligent. Um, right off the bat, he's 6'3". Okay, so – not your typical tackle height, all right? And, again, if we want to get into hand size season, you know, he does only have – he's the one who has 33 and a quarter-inch arms. So, he does have that slider frame. And there's a lot of draft guys who think he's better fit sliding into guard. Uh, I, I hate that. I hate that analysis. I don't like it. I don't understand just because you're not 6'5 or 6'6 six, six, that you can't, you can't play tackle. I, I think he is a natural left tackle. Um, he played right tackle for two years at Northwestern and then slid in 2019 over to left tackle because he felt like it would be uh, better showcase his skills and raise his draft level, and it did. Um, in 787 snaps from 2019, um, he only allowed one quarterback hit, zero sacks, and just five quarterback hurries. And guess who he played against and was manned up against? An entire game, uh, Chase, Chase Young, Young highlights. You know, yep. Chase Young, man. It, it, if you if you have any questions about Rayshon Slater's ability to play uh, at the ne- left tackle at the next level, just put that Chase Young film on um, from 2019, and he literally. Lo- I mean, you wouldn't know that Chase Young, the defensive rookie of the year at their NFL last year, was even on the field. the The kid is the kid is great. Um, he again um, questions with his power, and this one I think is a little bit more. Um, understandable and is a little bit more um, based on some merit. Um, he does not have, I think, the overwhelming size um, that he needs to to just 
you know, dominate people off the line, but he makes up for it with literal, like perfect technique. The kid's a technician. His footwork is outstanding. Um, he is always in the right position. He's always taking the right angle, cutting those angles off for, for those outside edge rushers. Um, and that's why he, he had the success that he did uh, at Northwestern. Um, again, you can't go wrong with the kid. Uh, I think there is a little bit more risk with with Slater um, as far as if you're drafting him to be a left tackle um, because some of those things um, might get might come up in the NFL. He might struggle a little bit against uh, NFL quality edge rushers on a consistent week in and week out basis. But having said that, if you're fine taking him at eight, you can always slide him into guard if it if he did struggle at tackle and you've got a another bookend guard for the next 10 to 15 years because he's going to be successful uh, in the NFL. Again, I think his floor is a solid starting offensive lineman and um, a little bit less of a higher ceiling than uh, Sewell, but the kid could be an all pro at tackle or guard for the next 10 years. If, if everything comes together and you get him in that NFL weight training program, you put some more size on him, you put some more raw muscle and power on him um, to make up for his lack of size. So. Is this a, in your opinion, is this a a one, a one B scenario as far as Sewell and Slater or, or what are your thoughts on that? I think, I think Sewell is, uh, is, is in a league of his own personally. I think I've never been, I haven't been more sure about a tackle prospect. I can't remember the last time. I think I think Sewell's going to be, uh, uh, like I said, I think I I, I think Sewell's going to be an All Pro left tackle for the next ten years if he stays healthy. Um, I uh, I think that Rich Slater is clearly the number two guy, um, but I, Sewell's in a league of his own, uh, and and I feel confident saying that. Um, I would I rank. Uh, we're going to get into other prospects, but I rank Sewell another prospect and then Slater, if I'm being honest. So, but the other prospects not a tackle, so we're not going to talk about it at this moment. But um, I do think that Sewell is the better guy overall. And, and if we don't go quarterback, you you're you got Sewell and then everybody else? I've got Sewell, one other prospect who we're going to talk about later, and then Slater. Okay. So uh, uh, I wouldn't be I would if, if there's if these quarterback if there's not a quarterback available I'm not gonna I mean I'm not gonna be mad with yeah. Rayshon Slater I, I'm not I'm not gonna feel like we we missed out on the draft with him because um, I do I do think he's gonna be a quality starting tackle in the NFL I just think the the, the risks there there's and they're minute but I think there is more risks in in Slater um, than he's just got a he's got a bigger hill to climb. We'll put it in Sewell. You know, Sewell's six six, three hundred thirty one pounds. You know, he he's got the size, he's got the athletic ability. His he's already here, and he can rely on that raw size and power to not get bowled over. Whereas I think Rashawn Slater is going to have to work a, a, a little bit harder to to go against that NFL bull rush. You know, he's going to have to put it time in constantly in the off season and and and, and just building his base and, and core strength and all that. Yeah, and we sure up the left side of the line. That solves a lot of our issues going forward, regardless Absolutely. of who the quarterback is. So that's something that needs to be addressed, whether it's this draft, whether we, we go for depth, and, you know, and talk about some guys later on, you know, whatever we do. Um, it's definitely something we need to address on in this draft because it doesn't look like Greg Little is going to be um, – we're not going to get the return of what we gave up to get him, uh, unfortunately. Unless, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope Greg comes out this season and surprises us, and, you know, something changes. But – 
the way the trajectory is right now, it just doesn't look that good. Um, West, anything you want to add as far as the, the line prospects go or, or the anything Corey added or anything Corey said? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that I would be disappointed with Slater at eight. I, I really like Slater. Um, and I haven't, I haven't dived, dived as much into his film as I probably would have liked to. I've, I've just watched a, a little bit of surface level uh, Twitter, Twitter clips and stuff like that. Um, but I think with the lower ceiling and the other guys that in, inevitably will be there, I, I don't, I, I would be disappointed with him at eight. Um, I think there's some tackle prospects that, that we can look at in the second round or even other O-line prospects that we can look at in the second round with our early enough pick in the second that I think have a high enough ceiling with maybe not just maybe not quite as low, of a, quite as high of a floor. Right. Um, not, not quite as safe of a pick that would excite me just as much as Slater. Don't get me wrong. Slater going to be good. I just think for eight, it's not the right pick. I think if you're picking 10 to 15, somewhere in that range, maybe I, w- I would feel a little different, but um, I think at eight, there's going to be someone else there that gets me more excited than Slater. And that's, and, hey, that's fair. And and that's a very honest and, and fair assessment. And, uh, you know, I get it that hundred percent. I think what happens is what we've seen in recent years with this, with the way the college game's going and the move to these spread offenses and um, just, you, you don't have guys in three point stances. You're not putting guys on islands and, and, and asking them to pass rush for these deep routes. So I think the offensive line play has, has been on a steady decrease in college for the past 10 years. So I think it elevates prospects like Slater, who maybe in the early 2000s would be a mid to late to second round guy. But here he is. He is clearly, you know, a top tier tackle for for what's available. So his his stock gets elevated because I'm like you, man. Like I, I like Leatherwood in the second round out of Alabama. Um, I think that his upside's just as much as Slater's is, and he's got the bigger frame, but it's you know, these lack of you know it's a lack of assets really what it boils down to on the offensive line so guys like Slater are going to get elevated just because he is solid he is dependable and and you know you're not gonna you have a small chance of missing but because there's just not there's not that many classic left tackles in the that are coming out of college anymore because of the offensive game yeah and something to not rule out you know if if everybody's gone you know all the big names there I mean we can trade back to the you know the middle of the the teams you know if Slater falls or you know, and get somebody else. I mean, I know we've we've kind of cast a, a, a wide net outside of the quarterback position at the moment, as far as you know, guys we've been looking at and guys that we've been um, going to their pro days and such. So like, that's something that that fitter has done in the past. That's something not to rule out. You know, to to trade back to the mid teens and pick up an either another second round pick or you know a, a future first. Uh, that's something that, that we should not rule out. Um, but great, uh, great uh, synopsis there about the uh, offensive line guys, top guys in this uh, class, Corey. Um, Wes is going to talk a little bit about the uh, pass catchers, maybe some guys on offense that we need to look out for this year. Uh, there's a few names at the top of the boards, mostly led by uh, Chase, uh, Pitts, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, uh, guys like that. Uh, I know some some video surfaced this week of Matt Rule down at Florida's Pro Day, and uh, looks like him and Kyle Pitts are getting along pretty good. Uh, I know Pitts said that he's uh, met with him a few times, and they're supposed to have a Zoom call later this week. Uh, so uh, not to spoil anything, but I'll let Wes dive into Kyle Pitts and talk a little bit about that. And also uh, a couple other guys that he's done some research on. So it sounds like, sounds like Pitt and we'll have a little bromance going on. So that, 
Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he gave him the old attaboy, the little slap on the ass. Yeah. Well, they said they said that Matt Rule was was the first guy who ever recruited him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I'll start with Pitts. We're already there. Pitts is one of the guys. I I, I looked at mainly Pitts and Chase. I I don't think Waddle um, and Devontae Smith are are really in in the conversation for us at at eight. Um, I think that Chase is clearly the the best receiver and it's not really close. And, and Pitts is to me, the best non quarterback in the draft, even better than Sewell, because I think he steps in and becomes a top five pass pass catching tight end in the league right away. uh, Just on skill set, if he can adjust, but Pitts is at first, his counting numbers, look, you look at them and, they're, they're a little low um, at Florida. The I think he had about 100 catches, I believe 100, 101 catches over three seasons, just three catches his first season. He had, let's see, he had about 1,300, 1,400 yards, uh, mostly over two seasons. So his counting numbers don't really stick out to you, but man, watching his film, he looks so good. He is an athletic freak. He is a mismatch nightmare for linebackers and safeties that will roll down to try to cover him, even in the NFL, not just college. And then on the outside, he lined up on the outside just about as much as he did at tight end. And I mean, when you look at somebody like a Travis Kelsey or a Greg Kittle, what they do in the league, um, Greg Kittle, George Kittle, sorry. <laughs> I don't know where I got that. George Kittle, what they do in the league, they, they move them all around the formation. They line up at receiver just about as much as they do at tight end. It feels like, and they're a mismatch nightmare for corners that have to line up on them. They're just so big and physical. You throw a back shoulder fade to this guy. He's going to win that physical battle nine times out of 10. And, um, and then another thing that, that really stood out to me with both of these guys, and I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm still talking about pits here, but they play in a division in, in a, in a, in a, in SEC and they're, they're playing against NFL defenses pretty much out there. there there's, week in, week out in conference play, they're playing against guys that are getting drafted and playing on Sunday. And and Pitts just – Pitts looked great to me. I, I loved his film. His route running's good, big hands, strong. I, I don't think you can miss on him. I don't think Pitts makes it to us. It's, it's like we talked about with Sewell. Um, I think Pitts and Sewell are the two best non-quarterbacks. I, I, I would be really shocked if he makes it to us. But – I would not complain at all if, if he makes it and that's who we take. Yeah. The, 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 what was it? The, the longest wingspan ever on record for a draft. He broke DK Metcalf's record that he put last year, a uh, longest wingspan. And the kids yeah, I mean, he's six, 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 two forty six and ran a four, four. I can't remember the it's exact. A four, four, four. four. I, I was gonna say four four three is what I thought it was unofficial. So six six two fifty, and he's running a four four. Right. Come on, and it, come on. And it transferred, and that's not just in shorts. Like you, you put the film on, and he's he's catching passes across the middle and taking them to the house, like running away from from SEC deep deep defensive backs. Just he gets in the open field, he's gone. How many tight ends can you say that about? Yeah, and I mean over the course of having. 100 exactly 100 catches 13 13 touchdowns or 18 touchdowns sorry um with a long of 71 tied in tied in with a 71 yard touchdown absolutely come, come on now i mean that's you're looking 
at, at a Kelsey type guy right there. And, and you see what Kelsey does. Mahomes doesn't have anybody outside of, of Tyreek that is um, really all that good. So, I mean, he's got his number one receiver in Tyreek and he's got Kelsey who is essentially a number one, another number one. It's just, you, when you can roll out an elite tight end in the NFL, it's just a matchup nightmare and they, they become an immediate thousand yard contribution every single year. And like you said, like you were talking about that moving them around the formation. I love the concept of, and, and, and where you see a lot more NFL teams going of move tight ends and like it just creates such a mismatch. And with us le- losing Curtis Samuel, um, we're talking about automatic first down on third downs um, with this kid. You move them all around. This is not an inline blocking tight end. Okay, this is not a guy who's going to line up on the uh, you know outside of tackle and, and, and chip on an end or 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 put one on one with a defensive end. That's a waste of his talents in my in my opinion. So um, I would I would hope that if if we did go with this guy, that Joe Brady, Matt Rule can put their heads together and and, and realize that you have this crazy mismatch weapon and you need to just get him in space. Can you imagine DJ, Robbie, Curtis, and Pitts on the field at the same time together, like? That just makes me feel all type of, of feelings. You mean Christian? Yeah, sorry, Christian, my yeah. bad. <laughs> but um, And I was watching the film, and you talked about that him not being in line. Very rarely did I see him with his hand down. Even when he lined up on, on the outside of the tackle there, he was offset as, as yeah. a, st- a step back as somebody who wasn't online, and he just put his elbows on his knees. Um, so it's just – he to me, he's the best non – quarterback in the draft and honestly with with where fields and and lance are looking and then in the to me he's not the third best player but it wouldn't be shocked me if some people had him as their third best player with where fields and lance are are kind of falling yeah um so matt anything to add on on pits yeah uh you guys kind of nailed it but the guy is a matchup uh, nightmare he, he can play you can line him up on the line you can line him out wide I mean, six six with his speed. Oh, he ran a uh, what four four forty, right? Yeah. I don't know the exact. Yeah, four four three four 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 four. four. Yeah, I, watching the film, I kind of spoiler. I dove into the secondary guys and, and watched a lot of SEC tape this week and seeing what he did against Sertan and, and Horn. Even you know, still they there was tough matchup. He didn't get anything free, but I mean, he I think he put up four sixty four and two against South Carolina. So. Just the way that they use him, it opens up so much more. He do, he is to the tight end what McCaffrey is to the running back, in my opinion, because of how versatile he is and what he can do with him. You put somebody like that in Brady's system, and it, I mean, you could throw him to him short. He could be Teddy's blanket if Teddy is here. Uh, you know, if we get a guy who who can throw the deep ball, you can line him up out wide. The guy can blow past corners. I mean, he's physical enough where he's he's not going to get bumped. He's not going to get knocked off his line. I mean, he can go up and get the balls in the end zone. I mean, you put this guy in the right system and you're looking at, you know, eight to 10 touchdowns his, his rookie year. Um, this, this guy's a stud. Uh, as far as offensive weapons go, that's outside of quarterbacks. This is number one at the top of my draft board. Uh, I think that the guys can't miss. Um, I know that a lot of people have compared him out to Aaron Hernandez, a, a former Gator uh, earlier in the offseason. But this dude, it's tough to find. You see what, what you talk about with Kittle and Kelsey, and you see what having that elite tied in. And, and we had that with Greg, um, you know, for years. And we saw what that production did for Cam, that safety blanket, and how important that is. And we haven't had that as much with Ian and, 
man hurts and, and just the turnover there. So having that and adding that to the offensive and replacing Curtis, like like you said, Corey, um, that's that's going to be big too. And this is a, a guy that does it. Now, is that worth doing in, in the top 10? You know, it depends. I mean, it's hard to justify taking a tight end that, that high, but this isn't just a tight end. This is a guy who, who like I said, he can play all over the field. So I couldn't agree more. If, if everybody else is off the board, if, if Panay's off the board, if all the quarterbacks are, are gone and Pitts is there looking at us at eight, I think that that's who we're taking. Just reading the tea leaves here and, and also just from a personal opinion, I, I think that, that, that Pitts is – going into the offseason and going into this draft season, I, I wasn't high on taking a tight end that, that high. But dig into it more and you see what, he, what he's done, what the tape – the tape doesn't lie. So I'm I'm all for uh, Pitts if he's there at eight and, and all of our other options are going. Yeah, and you I, don't get me wrong. I love Greg Olson. Greg Olson's one of my, you know, all-time favorite players. But he, this kid's upside dwarfs that of Greg Olson. Yeah. Uh, hey. it, 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 it can't be said enough. So the, you, you, this kid is Calvin Johnson at tight end. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. I mean, look at the production you get out of the the three elite tight ends right now, yeah. and that's what this guy can do. I mean, just he's going to put himself immediately in that top tier. And I like what you said about replacing Curtis. I think um, putting putting him in this offense is an, an immediate replacing of Curtis. I know they have diff- very different skill sets, but you ba- you tailor the what you were going to do with Curtis just to a slightly different skill set, and and you're replacing what Curtis can do with somebody just a different a different position. In my opinion, they're both some Curtis was a matchup matchup nightmare in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you're just you're just kind of retooling a little bit and, and shifting it around. I think it it would be a great replacement of what Curtis's production could be. Um, and again, and also, like you said, Matt, a month ago, if you told me we would draft a Titan in the first round, I would have flipped my lid. But after watching more film and, and looking at this guy, I, I would not be upset at all. I, I, we still have would we still need to address left tackle. We still need to address quarterback. But this guy will be a problem in the league for a long time to come. Please don't go to Atlanta. God, please. That's, I mean, I, I, I've i said that I've got four or five guys that I think are gone when they get to us, and, and it's Wilson, it's Lawrence Wilson, Sewell, and Pitts, and I think Pitts goes four. I do. I think yeah, Pitts I, goes four to Atlanta because they're not going to take a receiver. I don't think they're going to take a tackle. They're obviously, with, with Matt Ryan's restructure, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. So that leaves what they need to take is defense, but there's not a defensive player that really profiles to the top five. So they either trade back or they take pits in my opinion. And that's Dude. scary. Face the prospect of facing him twice a year. Just man. I, I, I'm Julio, Julio, him. And Ridley. And, and Ridley. Oh my gosh. I mean, the Falcons cannot, can, could not complain about Matt Ryan, not having whatever, anything ever again. Well, it just means Julio's not going to catch any more touchdowns like per the usual. Boy, he, I mean, he gets like three a year. Yeah. So, yeah he's scared of the end zone. <laughs> they're, afraid to, they're afraid to throw him the ball in the end zone. I've never understood that. Don't throw the ball to your best weapon. Uh, I mean, Miami, does Miami say we're not going to take a wide receiver? They'll take him with their own pick, you know, later in the back, and they'll, they can take pits here and then a receiver – Later, I think, I think if Chase goes, I think if Chase goes to to Cincinnati, if they make the mistake of passing on Sewell if he's there, 
I think Pitts probably goes to Miami. I think I think they're going going to get a weapon for Tua. Um, I think their offensive line is is pretty decent already. Um, so I don't. I think that more so they need to to get a, a weapon there. So I think it'll Miami will take the either Chase or Pitts. So like again, I don't think Chase or Pitts make it to us. I really don't because I think if like I said, Miami, Miami is going to take one of them. I think if one of them makes it, I think if Chase makes it to seven, I think he's gone to Detroit to replace the two receivers they lost. Um, so, again, I, I'm not sure we really get one of these guys, but I, I really like both of them. So, I'll, I'll go in more about Chase here in a second. You just have to hope that, again, we're talking about teams overthinking themselves. You have to hope that, that teams are like, I can't take a top, tight end in the top ten, and they pass on this generational talent and – he falls right into our laps. That, yeah, I'm, that's all you can hope for. Hypothetically, the draft starts at four. Say, say it goes uh, Lawrence one, Wilson two, a quarterback three. I don't, I don't know who it is. It's the Matt Jones. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so then you got Atlanta. So it starts at Atlanta. But you, does it, I mean, if Atlanta doesn't take Pitts, and then they take one of our quarterbacks, you know, we're kind of damned if we do and damned if we don't. Uh, can we just talk about that for two seconds? Let's let's go off the rails for, for here for 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 go two ahead. seconds. How we've just basically shit on Mac Jones for the for this entire podcast, and San Francisco trades up to three, and now everybody's talking about that Shanny is trading up to get Mac Jones. There's there's absolutely no way. It's it's got to be smoke. I I think I'm I've pretty much convinced myself at this point the Jets aren't going quarterback. They're going Sewell. Um, I don't think I don't think you trade up to three to get somebody that you could have traded to seven, 10, 15, whatever. I mean, Mac's going to be there way yeah. later. So it's at first I thought it meant they wanted either Wilson or Fields, the one that the, right. the Jets didn't take. But with the Fields smoke that I've seen, I don't there's I just don't I don't see Fields going until possibly us. So, I mean, it's, so Lance, it's Lance and it's Lance or Jones at, at three. Most I mean, no, no, I don't think the Jets are taking a quarterback. I think um, the Jets are going soon. That makes sense. I'm thinking though, like when it, when it comes to the Niners and training up for Mac. Okay. I was like you at first. I was like, no, the, no, they're not trading up to get Mac Jones. There's no way. And I didn't believe the reports, but the more I look and the more I listen, I was like, okay, he is exactly what Shani has had success with his entire career that statue non-athletic Kirk cousins, just, you know, whatever. So enroll with Jimmy G. Right. And I get, I trust me. I don't know, man, but like, I, I understand that if Shani has convinced himself in his head that this kid is perfect to run my system, then you know, it's like that old adage, you know, you, you, it doesn't matter if it's, he's, if he's your guy, you're, he's getting your guy. So if Shani has convinced himself that they, that, that, that that's what he wants it for his system and to run his system. And that's the perfect guy. Then, then, then maybe we're all just, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be successful. You're not sending your head coach and GM to a pro day of a player that you have no interest in. And, and, and Kyle came out and said, after they made the trades, like, Oh, well now we don't have to worry about, watching what we do and, and covering up and I will say his dad did draft Jay Cutler without going and, and watching him so yeah. that's something to keep in mind I mean is Shanahan you know 
playing games and blowing smoke and, and just trying to throw everybody off. Maybe, but you know, maybe, maybe Trey Lance is his guy and he's sold on that. But Shanahan is more of the intermediate game on his design. I mean, he's not going to throw the ball deep, you know, and that's what Mac is. If he wants somebody who's accurate, I mean, hell, he could have came and got Teddy and it would have just fine with us. But I did see that they're trying to get a first round pick out of, out of Jimmy G, which it's not your chance was to trade him. Your chance was to trade him to New England earlier in the offseason. That that was your chance if you were going to do this. I get you would have tipped your hand, but at the same time, like you got to do what's best for your franchise. But the whole Chris Sims is, is driving this thing with Mac Jones, and that's a whole other story. But Kyle Shanahan, him and Lynch showing up at Mac Jones Pro Day, and I get Belichick was there too, but that could have been to watch Devontae Smith or or whoever. Um but Bill looked disgusted. Bill looked disgusted. <laughs> the Bill being Bill being there makes sense. If if, if he falls yeah. to the Patriots in the teens, that the Patriots have a decision to make. Is it could Mac be the guy to plug and play uh, after a year under Cam? I get that. I get, at that point, I'm I'm okay with with taking Mac and taking the chance of of another Brady type of guy that's that's not really mobile that that can just run run your offense. But I mean, I, does Shanahan ever live that down? Trading up to three, passing on these guys, and taking Mac Jones? That will does because he's never like I I I can confidently say right now he is never going to be the guy that wins in the Super Bowl. I like write write it down. I'll do something absolutely crazy on a uh, on a podcast if if in two years he wins the Super Bowl, he is not the guy. Like, will he ever live it down? Can can he get past that? It's, it's like the Bears; they're always it's always going to be you traded up over and, and took Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. And I mean, what you think? So you're telling me that Jimmy G can't win with the group that you have because you think you're Mac Jones away from coming in and winning, he's going to turn Brandon Ayuk into a 1,500-yard receiver, and they're going to do all this. I mean, they've lost – what, they got Mozart back, so they, they're mostly going to run the ball. Uh, you know, they lost Coleman. But outside of that, I mean, their offensive weapons are not that great. You know, Jimmy D came out there and took them – I mean, they went to the Super Bowl, but they were a sub-500 team before they made that trade, and then they had to go through a year of growing pains with him. But – I don't see why you cut bait and run to go to Mac Jones because Mac Jones isn't going to be an upgrade over anything that Garoppolo can do. You guys have seen the Spider-Man pointing meme, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Mac Jones and Jimmy G, right? Like in that offense, they're, they're, they're no different. Like I, right. you don't trade up to three for Mac right. Jones when you've, when you've paid Jimmy G that money and aren't already off of him. Or, I mean, if you've got Jimmy G, you just stick with him. You don't have, you don't even trade up. So to me, I'm calling bullshit. On, on Jimmy G or on, on Mac Jones to San Fran. I'm, I'm calling it right now. They know who the Jets are taking. They know it's not a quarterback and they're going Wilson. That, and, talk, and to, talk, to, just talk to me in a month. Talk to me in a month. We'll see if it happens. But And then that Jets thing, if, 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 you, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about with the Jets too, like it, it, this is complete offseason fodder and, and I get it 100% that why you're thinking that. They just released their, their season ticket information and Sam Darnold was on the picture of, of, all, their, of all their ticket information of, of everything. 
and you might think that that's not a big deal, but teams know like these people who are releasing these and, and are in charge of, of putting out these, these graphics and stuff. Like, look at us. Once, once they said the stuff about Teddy, we stopped putting Teddy on anything. Because you're not going to pay the money to go do reprints. They're not right. going to, yeah, they're not going to go through, through all that. That's a, that's a pain. So they'll mock up stuff for the, for the new draft guys, but they're not going to redo, you know, the season ticket holder stuff and, and all of that. So yeah, that's a, that was the first big sign there. And, and by now, and by now, you would have heard that that Sam Darnold had been involved in some sort of trade talk somewhere. You would have why, heard it by now. Why they were taking a quarterback? Yes, right. I, I think you, they said if Wilson, if the, if they were going to go Wilson, that they would have to trade Darnold. And I have not heard any substantial evidence of Darnold being included in a trade talk yet. Have you and, even heard a rumor that he's been? No, involved? I haven't heard a single rumor no, that he like that he's been offered to anybody for anything. I've, I've heard teams that might be interested. I've seen a right. list of a few teams, the Pittsburgh, us, and a couple others that of, of reporters saying the teams that would make sense, but yeah. I've never even seen that, that there was even communication. And see, if the Jets were smart enough, the, the best thing that they could do is to trade to trade back, get more assets, roll with Darnold and actually build a team around it. If they want to address quarterback in a couple of years, that's different, but you still have Darnold on a rookie deal. You need assets. If you take Wilson now and you trade Darnold, at best you're probably getting what, let's say, let's just say they got three seconds for him. I, you know, that's probably a good, a good idea. Because no, they won't. You could get, they somehow they, get a first from somebody, you know, it, it, the value works out. I, they're not going to get that, but let's just say that they'll still get more for, trading to and put themselves in a better situation so but you listen you listen that this is where i get confused by the whole situation is is i understand i'm with you guys 100 on 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 this rumor train but i don't understand is why they're so adamant that they're not moving off of two because you're 100 right you're going to get the most assets you're going to get the most bang for your buck moving off of two trading down with somebody you're going to get in this year's draft you've already seen what it took to get to three you're going to get at least two more first round picks You've got to have somebody who's willing to to give somebody who's high enough on Wilson to hop the 49ers and do it. I just heard that they're not even fielding. Like they're they're just adamant that they're yeah. not moving off of two. They're not even listening to anything. They I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's because it. Sewell is the can't miss tackle, the best yeah. tackle we've seen in years. I, I, yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's the Jets making their first smart move in in a long time. And so look, I like Salah. I like Salah, and I hope they're successful. I don't. I don't really know much about their their GM, but you know, I hope Salah is successful. And I hope that that this is a first smart move. But you know, that's just if you would have told me that at the beginning of the offseason, all this would that I would have transpired. This has been a crazy offseason. It's been fun. Yeah, and I mean, I think two or three episodes ago, I talked about the Jets will make the wrong decision here. Yeah, and and, and I've said it the whole time. And things are just materializing to the point where I don't think that's the case anymore. I think they're going to make the right decision. It, the stars are aligning for the Jets to actually make a smart decision and draft Sewell. This could have been a, a, a little wink, wink deal here. You know, that's when maybe yeah. that's why the Jets are holding right now. But they, you know, saw it could have you know been in touch with Shanahan, vice versa, said that hey, you know, we may not take a quarterback, and so but we're not going to trade our pick because that would tip our hands. So they went and go get three, and now you know maybe Shanahan knows that, that they're going to go tackle. I mean, and, and plenty of people said that, that San Francisco only moved up to three because they knew their guy would be there. And some people speculated that meant because of it would be Mac and nobody was going to take Mac that high. But what if it's because the Jets assured it's not a quarterback at two? Uh, makes all the sense in the world. Yep. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to get us off track, but that no, was just no, too no. juicy. No, you're good. That, 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 was was good con- that was a good conversation. And, and it, and it, 
falls right back into what we're talking about. And, and I've said in our group message a few times, I, I think it's Lawrence. I think, I think it's Wilson. I think it's Chase. I think it's Pitts. And I think it's Sewell that are off the board when it gets to eight, because those are, those in my opinion are five, five guys that should be gone based on talent and needs in front of us. So. It's a, but, it's a good year. If you need defensive players and you're picking, you know, in the, the middle of the, the first round, it's a, it's a good year to have that pick or it's a good year to have that need, I should say, because you're going to basically have your pick of whoever you want. So offensive heavy draft. All right. We'll get into chase a little bit. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, I, I watched some film of both Pitts and chase. Chase is another one of those freak athletes that we have in the draft this year. Um, did, what do you, did you run a four, three, nine? Four three nine forty, um, six foot two oh eight, just can take the top off of the defense at any given moment. Um, he had uh, one hundred and seven catches over two years. Set out last year, um, had just over two thousand yards, twenty three touchdowns, along of seventy eight, twenty three total touch. Did I say twenty three total touchdowns? Average yards per catch in twenty nineteen was twenty one point two. Um, obviously he will plug and play in the Joe Brady offense because he was in the Joe Brady offense. Um, he is a deep threat that if you, I mean, if you put him and RA on the same field, my goodness, I, I, I would love to see it. I don't think we're going to see it, but I would love to see it. Um, the game that really stood out to me that I watched was his film against Alabama Diggs, who is proven to be a, already a really good NFL corner. I mean, he had a lot of really nice catches in that game. Let me see if I can pull up his actual production real quick from that game. Uh, One second. But he is smaller, obviously, than Pitts at six foot um, and just a receiver, but he's physical for his size, in my opinion. He's got great route running ability. He's not just a guy that, that runs the deep ball. He he can catch those slants across the middle of the drags and, and, and get you the yards after catch. I'm pulling up the Alabama. He had six receptions for 143 yards and a touchdown, 140 yards and a touchdown against Diggs, who is now a very good NFL corner, in my opinion. So, and you look, you look um, from his, from that year too. somebody that, that lit the league up this year, Justin Jefferson was on the team with him at LSU and, Justin Jefferson, we saw what he did as a rookie, and Justin Jefferson was the second was, guy. Was the second guy yep. to Jamar Chase. So that's that's big. I mean, and and, and you've got you've got Burrow going and asking his yeah. his his front office to take him at five. That that speaks volumes to me. Like I said, I don't think he makes it to us. Uh, he is the best receiver in the in the draft by a long shot. Waddle and and Devonta Smith are just not not it, in my opinion. They're 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 guys that a team that needs a receiver takes them in the teens and they're going to be good. They're, they're, they're fun, yeah. but they are not chase Chase is the guy this year and it's not, not really close. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, and, and to say that, like how good Jamar Chase is and, and to, <laughs> I know he sat out this year, but to, to talk about how good he is in comparison to what Devonte Smith did last year in college and won the Heisman. The trophy, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> absolutely torched uh absolutely torched ohio state in the national uh, championship game uh, i mean he had over 200 receiving yards in the first half but 
that just shows you the type of athlete and the type of player that Jamar Chase is. I mean, this guy is the can't miss at receiver. Uh, he's the plug and play. This guy's going to go out there and likely have a you know a, a twelve hundred yard you know season his his rookie year if he avoids injuries and, and goes to the right system. Uh, so that 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 tells you a lot about the player that he is. And what I you know, it's been a couple years of where you know used to in the past it took receivers to three years before they really broke through. But what you're starting to see is, and I don't know if it's a product of just the offenses that these colleges are running that are now getting um, copycatted in the pros, but you're starting to see rookie wide receivers who do make a significant contribution as rookies, like Justin Jefferson. You know, they're coming in and making day one impacts. And I think that's what you have in Chase. I think he's a day one impact mismatch at the NFL level. Um, uh, I've watched a, a bit on him. And like you were talking about, Wes, to be only six foot, the kid is, I mean, he plays like he, he's six five. I mean, he, he plays with power and, and strength. He reminds me of Smitty, you know, it was just a nasty tenaciousness to go up and get the ball. And he'll go up and get it. He'll, he'll, yeah. I remember one specific route that he was getting jammed hard. And, and I mean, he just fought the guy for five yards, just, just trying to get free, broke across the middle, caught one across the middle. And it's just like, he is physical for somebody of his size. And I, he he only gets the credit for the deep ball, the 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 speed over the top. I think from a lot of people, but that that really surprised me was just how physical he was. Yeah, and like it's 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 safe for me to say I'll say it a thousand percent with a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver in his draft class. He is the best wide receiver in this class, and then he's in a tier of his own. And nobody knows what he did, the guy can do better other than uh, Joe Brady. So that that's one of right. our benefits to it. So. I'm sure if he's sitting there at eight, he'll have his input on it. Uh, if we're deciding between him and somebody else, but that's uh, it would, it would, I think, I think it takes a perfect situation for us to take him at eight. But yeah, yeah, I don't think that wide receiver is some, something we do that early. I mean, even to replace Curtis, I don't think that's that's even an option. That should be, you know, like you said, something something crazy. Yeah, but it does. You know, you if you if you're looking forward, if you're looking to the future, you know, Robbie's got got one more year. But we're gonna have to pay DJ. We're gonna have to extend him too. We did lose Curtis, so if you're if you if you're projecting it out, if you're looking forward for the next three to five years, it it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense to you need to start thinking about wide receiver. Uh, I would love Chase, but I think there are some options in, in this draft that we can take later that are, that are going to pan out and be just fine. That's probably more realistic than taking Chase at eight. So. Yeah, and we'll probably spend more time next week on uh, prospects in the two to seven round yeah. range. So we can talk about a little bit about the depth of this draft and some pieces that we can pick up. Um, any uh, closing thoughts on Chase? Anything you want to add? That's all I had. Um, great, great guy. Great prospect. I, I think he's can't miss um, like a lot of the guys we're, we're talking about here. Um, but, again, don't don't see a scenario where we end up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Staying in the SEC, uh, I kind of dove into the cornerbacks, uh, is what I did this week. A couple of guys in the SEC, J.C. Horn, Pat Sertan. Uh, if you, depending on who you ask, Sertan is ranked as the number one corner in this draft. Um, J.C. Horn is second. There's probably four guys that are going to end up possibly going in the first round at the corner position. Um, you're looking at Horn, uh, Sertan. Farley, uh, Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Uh, he's a guy that kind of came on as late. He started off as kind of a day two pick, but just kind of what he's done here recently in his pro day has uh, bumped him into the first round. I've seen him as high as the mid-teens. Uh, now, Farley's fail. He was considered a first-round pick and could have made a uh, could have made a, a play for the 
uh, top corner of this draft, but him having surgery and being out of his pro day. And he said it was a deadlift accident is what he came out and said he had to have surgery on. This is the second one. So, you know, back surgeries are always something that are going to scare teams off of. But Caleb Farley is out of, out of Virginia Tech. Um, these not not some guys. The Newsom Farley, um, those two are, are not going to be guys that we're going to be looking at at eight, even if, um, you know, the other guys are gone. Uh, Farley's probably his probably has the highest upside in this draft. Um, he's the fastest cornerback in this draft. His closing speed is ridiculous. He can run with anybody in the NFL. Um, he would be able to hang with Tyreek Hill. Um, his skills need a lot of improving. He he kind of relies more on his speed, his makeup speed. Um, he doesn't necessarily locate the ball as well as he should. Um, so that's something that that's going to hurt him in the long run, especially, you know, those things are going to get kind of picked apart at the NFL level. Uh, he's probably somebody who I would compare to Dante um, that, that we have already. Um, so he's, he's not going to be somebody who I feel is going to be able to come in and, and contribute. He's going to struggle his first year, uh, you know, especially with the missing time with the back injuries and the surgery. Um, but Caleb Farley is, is a name to just kind of keep an eye on and see where he goes in this draft. Um, if he falls to the, the twenties, then somebody's probably going to get a, a, a pretty good deal on him. Uh, could be a steal. Uh, he has no business dropping out of the first round. If somebody, he just needs the proper coaching and proper technique. Um, and before I get into Horn and Sertan, I'll talk about Newsom a little bit too. Um, but he ran a four three one forty. He's a long uh, northwestern northwestern system. They play a lot of cover three, um, so he doesn't play a lot of man. But he's capable of playing man. He allowed thirty five percent completion percentage uh, this year. Um, in in coverage, he's got good instincts. Uh, his hips moves well. He's got good swivel uh, action. He's not afraid to hit. Um, he's not the the biggest guy. Uh, he's uh, you know six foot, but he he's got long arms. But he's not afraid to come up and, and smack some players in their mouth. Um, so that's a guy who has really helped himself this offseason as far as his, his draft stock. So that's somebody to keep an eye on in the back half of the the, set, the first round. And if he's there in round two at our pick. Um, somebody you should should pay attention to. Um, but the, the two big guys in this draft are, are at the SEC. Um, that's J.C. Horn. That's Joe Horn's uh, son. And then Pat Sertan from Bama, uh, Patrick Sertan's son. Uh, in my opinion, the number one the number one corner in this draft is J.C. Horn. Just standing out. I mean, this is a guy, if, when, you, when you watch time. him, yeah, when you, when you watch the tape, the thing, first thing that stands out is, is this guy looks like a football player. Um, you know, just his size, his, his speed, his ability. Um, you know, I watched the Auburn tape this month and him against Seth Williams, he made his day hell that game. Um, Seth got him for, for one catch early on. It was for like 44 yards. Uh, and you know, he let JC know about it. And then after that, he didn't have another single catch. Uh, he was all over him. Um, there was one play later in the game where, uh, Bo Nix threw uh, an out route to uh, the running back out of the backfield. Horn plows through and, and decleats uh, Williams and then makes the tackle on the running back in the backfield. So he's very physical. Um, he's a guy that we would need with the bigger receivers in our division. Um, he's a guy you can put on Julio. He's a guy you can put on Michael Thomas, uh, on you know Mike Evans. Uh, he's a guy that you can put out there. He's going to shadow the best guy. He shadowed, or he um, switched the pits. He covered pits in the um, Florida game uh, against uh, Auburn, he shadowed Seth Williams. Um, but he's going to cover the, the best receiver on the other team immediately, day one in the uh, in the NFL. 
he ran a 439 uh 40 excuse me 439 on his second 437 on his first um he probably got the uh, best instincts that I've seen, at least out of this class. Uh, he allowed the lowest completion percentage in the entire SEC. So um, he, he, his numbers were better than Sertan's. Uh, he did have um, the second most press coverage snaps uh, in the uh, SEC this season as well. Um, Sertan had the most in the country over the last two years, uh, at least in this draft. But the main thing that, that stood out to me is that, that Horn, his, He's got the speed, he's got the physicality, um, but he's got the instincts as well. There's a there's a play uh, in the same Auburn game where they throw a, a back shoulder fade uh, to the end zone to Seth Williams, and uh, JC tracks it over his his left shoulder and then turns and he has to locate the ball again over his right shoulder and makes a, a, a deflection in the end zone with his left hand. Just things like that just stand out. But you know he's a guy who who's going to get in your face, who's going to you know let you know about it. He's going to bring that swag to the secondary. Um, and an attitude. He, he, he's just nasty. He believes he's the best corner in this draft, and, and I agree with him. Um, I think that that, that guy, if, if he's there, you know, hey, if we go to defense and he's there at eight, I have no problems with that. The, the guy is I – don't, I don't understand why more people are, are not putting him number one over Sertan. Yeah. I think you look at two. Um, I was looking at, at it earlier this week after his pro day. Him, his measurables are yeah. almost identical to Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Height, speed, weight, reach, vertical. We're all within like half a, a half a percent of each other. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think he is the best corner in this draft. I was like salivating over it. I mean, he is ridiculously good. He's that press corner that we need and that we've been needing for a, a very long time. He, he, he does not have to play – uh, in a zone coverage scheme, which uh, that's something we've lacked on the defense since, you know, uh, I, I think Bradbury was, was, was okay. This kid is, you put him on an Island and he, he, he's going to, you know, he's going to lock down one half of the field and take one receiver out, out of it. Yeah. Uh, and his, he is what the NFL is going to. He's the prototypical type corner that the NFL wants and needs to be successful on defense. That tall, physical imposing presence there on the outside that can run with wide receivers. Um, he's a physical freak. Uh, like you said, I, he's, he's a kid that, you know, it would surprise me if we, you know, that would be a name that would surprise me if we took it, but I would be thrilled. He, he's a, he's a freak. Yeah. He, he's as good as advertised. That, and for anybody listening to this, go back and just check out the Auburn tape uh, this year. Um, there's a lot of things that pop out on that. Uh, there's a, another play where he had a deflection that led to an interception. He had an interception that game. Uh, I mean, just all over the place, making 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 Seth Williams days terrible. Um, and the thing that stood out to me when watching the film between the two, you know, with Sertan is Sertan, JC, he gets kind of nitpicked on for being handsy, for, but he's not as bad as Sertan. Sertan, if he's not connected to the receiver, if he doesn't have his hands on them, He's not comfortable. He's lost. Um, there's several times where where he gets beat uh, deep because either they'll they'll run the the stack uh, formation uh, with receivers. They'll stack two receivers out on the left, and Sertan can't be you know, playing press coverage, so he can't immediately put his hands on the receiver. And so the receiver makes a quick move, and they've got distance on him. And even though it's only you know two or three yards in the NFL, those are things that are that are going to get you burnt. And so. 
and Sertan doesn't have the best closing speed either. That's a that's kind of his knock is that you know if you put a fast guy on him, he's not going to be somebody. He needs help over the top. Yeah. And JC, you don't need that with him. You can put him out there and not worry about anything. But Sertan's not that guy you can put out on the island and say, here, take away this side of the field. He needs the safety help over the top. Um, if he doesn't have his hands on a guy, go back and watch Kyle Pitts uh, against him. Uh, you know, Pitts lines out ride with him, wide with him, uh, and makes a quick little double move. And you know, Sertan's probably five yards off of him. He, he gets uncomfortable. When he can put his hands on you, he can start to feel you slow down. So he can kind of gauge you. And when he can get hands on you, he's comfortable, he's fine. But to make him uncomfortable, you have to, you know, throw some different things at him, either it be speed or it um, just be different formations just to allow your receiver to get more, uh, to get more room uh, against him. Um, think, but I'll talk a little think, bit more about him. Do you think Sertan's just, get, Sertan's just getting the, the Alabama bump? Do you think? I, kinda... I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I, I think that Sertan is good. He's good at what he does. I mean, he's 6'2, he's the biggest. Um, biggest top corner in this draft. Uh, Melifon was 6'3", um, but he's another guy that probably won't go to like the second um, out of Syracuse. Um, he's got really good instincts. Um, so don't let me, don't get me wrong there. I just think that JC's just better. Just, just watching the film, you know, there's a lot of things that stand out. So I think that Sertan is, is two in this draft. I think he's the second best corner. I just don't think that, you know, people are, are acting like he's, you know, clear cut number one above everybody else. I, don't, I just don't think that, that that's realistic. I don't, you know, JC does a lot of different things better. He gives up an inch, but, you know, the speed's there, the physicality, you know, he, he can be disconnected from them and still make the right reads and still make the closing, um, the closing plays. Just watching Pat over and over again, he has to be connected to the receiver. He has to have his hands on him in some capacity. And if JC gets not for, for being handsy, then, and, and you think, Sertan is, you know, has no flaws, then you're, you're biased because. Give, give me that cornerback who wants to put your hands on it. You know, I, that's, give me that. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take that all day. Like, I think JC fits rule and um, Snow's profile for what they want on defense. That, that just off the charts athleticism. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, hundred percent. Give me the corner who wants contact. I don't. I, I don't care if he's handy in college. No. I mean, you're. I think you're going to get a little. Uh, you probably get away with more in college than you do in the NFL. May. I mean, that's splitting hairs there on 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 terms of pass interference and illegal contact and all that stuff. But give me the. Uh, give me that corner who wants who wants to come up and put put hands on somebody. I'll I'll take that all day as opposed to a cornerback who's soft and and doesn't like contact. You know. So let's one question I have is I admittedly haven't watched a lot of corner film this year because the corner free agency class is so strong and it's still it's I mean there's still a lot of unsigned guys out there who will be starters starting corners in the league this year Um, I think I I don't know what everyone's really waiting for in that market why it hasn't really materialized yet but so I guess my question for you Matt is after after watching that film what do you think what are your thoughts on, on, on drafting one of those guys or, or would you just hold off a year and, and, and have a stopgap veteran? And, and I would take Horn top 10. I'm not necessarily saying this draft, you know, any draft. I mean, it's going to depend on the board and how it shakes out. I know corner isn't necessarily like our, our, you know, top of the line need. 
I would put offensive line over that and obviously quarterback. But any draft, JC, I would be comfortable taking it in the 10 range. Sertan, anywhere between 15 and 18, probably. I think anything below anything below 15, 15 and below. And are, you it's, good, it's, are you good with Horn at eight, or, or do we have to trade back if, if we're going to go corner? Do you, what are your thoughts? Well, I think this is where it works out into our, in our favor. I think it's more so like, you know, you know something that everybody else doesn't know. I mean, and that's just because it's my personal opinion. But I think right now, Sertan, it probably goes – I haven't checked out any drafts below, or mock drafts really below us. But yeah. I think his floor is probably 12, and then Horn probably follows suit somewhere around 14, 15. Um, but to me, it should be completely backwards. And Sertan's bigger. I mean, he's got the inch on him, and, yeah, his 40 speed is, you know, not that much of a difference at all. But just the game tape is, is what stood out to me because J.C. didn't really leave himself any chances to really get burned in what I in the film I watched. And Sertan, you know, there's several times where he's, you know, got two or three yards off the receiver, and the receiver's burned him deep, and he's got no help over the deep. And, and over the top, and that's things that are going to get picked apart in the NFL. So, J.C.'s tape is just a lot more solid than Sertan and, and Farley. I, I know that those kind of are like the top three guys, but, man, it's – you just go back and watch some of it because it's it's impressive. And, and his size and physicality, he's not going to get pushed around. He's not going to get bullied by any receivers. Like I said, you put him in the NFC South, and, and he's going to fit right in. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some – you know, some growing pains early on, like they're all with any rookies. But year two and three, I mean, this is this is a guy that's going to be a top five corner in the league. And Corey nailed it with the whole Jalen Ramsey comparison because, you know, the comparisons are there, you know, as far as, you know, just their their physical traits and their times. Uh, I mean, the guy also has a 40-inch vertical. He's a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical. So he can go up and get the ball. So, uh, he he put out a video the other day, you know, telling NFL scouts that that shit's different around here. And yeah, he's you know he he ain't lying. I mean, what I just I don't I don't I don't get why more analysts aren't aren't talking him up because I mean national media really isn't running with him. You know, it's all it's Sertan and then the rest of everybody else. I mean, I've seen Farley get more hype than I have with yeah, JC. Yeah, I have I have too. Um, so. I guess one last question I'll ask on the, the cornerback thing. So let's say this scenario plays out. We get a run on quarterbacks. All four go. Sewell goes. Chase goes. And Pitts goes. That's the seven in front of us. We're sitting there with Slater or or corner being the two good players left with at a position of need. I don't, I don't think there's a lineman left that we would take. I, I don't think there's – I really don't see anywhere, any other, anywhere else we go besides Slater or – or corner, what it, what what do you each of you two do in that situation? We're sitting at eight with that. If it's me, uh, I JC, man, you know it's it's all about it's tough, man. Because I like I, I would not be mad with taking JC or, or Sertan. Honestly, um, I think that JC is a better. Pro, overall prospect than, than, than Slater, 100%. I think that he comes in and, like Matt says, nobody's talking about him. Nobody's running with him. He's probably got a chip on his shoulder. And and you look at his measurables and the way he projects to the NFL, and 
Yeah, I, I I would have a tough time with that. Um, but I think for me, I'd probably run up to the run them, you know, turning the card with JC Horn on it because you know there's there's we talk about copycat NFL being a copycat league teams taking things from each other um that I think there's two two different ways to build defenses two different ways to uh of two different philosophies on the defensive side of the ball build a nasty pass rush and then you can kind of just plug and play corners um versus like what the Patriots do what the Bills do where they've got these outstanding or the Rams these outstanding quarterbacks and Gilmore Ramsey and they're just out there on an island and and they cover they they can lock down one side of the field. You can double team the other side of the field, and then they're so shut down that the pass rush is eventually going to get there. Well, we've already got decent. I mean, I think this year we're going to have take a big step forward in the pass rush. You you plug in a JC Horn on the outside now too, and our defense it becomes instantly uh, day one better with with JC Horn. Um, and I feel like as I'm sitting here talking about it, I've convinced myself too that. Um, that we can find, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, Wes, a tackle prospect in that second or third round that that's going to allow us to 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 step in and, and compete uh, for for a tackle spot, as opposed to going with with Slater. Yeah, you mentioned it, Corey, uh, talking about you know the difference it makes having the elite pass rush. You can kind of you know not have you can you can take a step back in the secondary because the quarterback doesn't have enough time to get the ball out, so you don't have to worry about getting beat deep. And that was a big thing about us in 2013 when you look at the, the pass yeah. rush that we had. And we had guys like Melvin White, you know, starting at, at cornerback, you know. So those are things that, are, that helped us out. I mean, we had, like we've mentioned this before, but it was the land of misfit toys in our, our secondary at the time. And it worked. You know, we got by with it until, you know, the, the San Francisco playoff game. But you, um, you, you look at that film, and even in 2015 to an extent when Josh made the, the big jump that he did, uh, we, we traded for Jared Allen to help sure up our, our pass rush, but, you know, losing um, peanut at the end of the year, you know, that, that kind of ruined that plan a little bit. You know, that, that was a hiccup we had to uh, overcome in this situation. I don't know, because I'm, I think we need to build the lines and then expand from out there. I mean, the defensive line is built, but the offensive line, you know, you probably say if you're drafting for need, then you in Slater, is the bigger need, but you don't draft for need. You draft best player available and then figure it out down the road. So in this situation, yeah, Horn should be above him. I think his um, RAS score was 95, um, which was 86 out of – it was 86 from – I forgot the years, Corey. I didn't write that down. Um, If you somehow got that in, but it's it's 86 is, is how high his score ranked um, from like 1970 to now. Yeah. Uh, as, as far as draft players go. So it shows you like the, the athletic profile is not going to lie on this kid. So there's just too many things that, that people are overlooking or if, if I'm sitting in the middle of the middle of the, the teens right now, I am salivating at, at this kid possibly dropping to me. And I think for us, if, if everything is off the board for us at eight, maybe we call up Philly and see if they want to trade back up. Maybe yeah. there's a receiver sitting there. We, we need to get a team that, that needs a receiver and trade back with them uh, if we're in that situation where none of our guys are there. Because I don't think JC's going to – if you can get in that 13, 14 range and get ahead of the teams at the, you know, in the middle and get this kid and also get an asset in the, in the process, that's a huge win uh, going forward and building, building this team. Because his personality and his traits paired with Dante in the secondary – 
that is going to be one of the biggest shit talking secondaries in the entire, <laughs> in the entire NFL. Uh, favorite players. And look, yeah. and you look at, you look at too, like where Scott Federer came from, you know, Legion of Boom, yeah. you know, back in, back in their heyday, um, they were just crazy athletic across the, the, the whole back end, you know, Richard Sherman, big, long, athletic we're, cornerback. We're already there with Dante and, and Chin. So um, yeah. uh, you can add, add one more to it. And, and that's pretty, pretty dangerous um, in the secondary. I am with you, Matt, on what you ended with there. I think if that's the scenario you're presented with at eight, you call anyone from 10 to 15 and you try and get back somebody that's in love with Waddle, somebody that's in love with Smith, somebody that's in love with um, even Sertain. Um, you get back and you see if you can get Horn or even Slit Horn or or Slater, you you've got to you you got to have two or three guys in mind at that point that you're 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 okay with if you're going to trade back that far, um, and one of them will probably make it too. Especially if it's if, if it's two corners, you you're probably only going to see one go. So you've got to be okay with losing. And if 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 Horn is the guy, just take him at eight. I don't I don't I don't know that they have a, a corner that they're in love with. I'm, I'm, I haven't heard much on that front. But I, I very much think it's it's trade back if that's the scenario you're pointed point with. And then one of those three become the guy later in, in, in about five or six picks. Yeah, and, and I went into this thinking, you know, defense is not something that, that's a huge priority for us in this draft after spending the entire draft last year uh, on defense. So when I went into this, I, I didn't really have like, you know, an open mind of anybody that I would really want. And then I, you know, the more film I watched on him, I, you know, it just more and more kept popping and standing out. And I think the biggest takeaway from it is the completions percentage uh, in the SEC. And you're having the lowest completion percentage in that conference going against the receivers that he has. You know, so on a weekly basis, he's facing an NFL receiver across from him. You know, he's facing a, a potential first-round pick across from him. And to hold his own, you know, that at South Carolina where he doesn't have a lot of help on defense. Yeah, exactly. And and it's just time and time again, you know, he just he just makes life hell for the receiver across from him. It's I would if you do anything after listening to this podcast, just go watch even a 10 minute video on him and just come away with some thoughts. Give us some feedback on, on what your thoughts on him are. But when you compare him to certain and, and compare the two films unbiasedly, which is what I did. You know, there, there's some things that will stand out that you'll notice, and, and I think it's foreign. And another thing about these two guys is that, you know, they both know what it's like to play in the NFL because, you know, their dads did. Right. So they're familiar with it. So they know what goes into it. They know the work ethic does. You know, they're going to be – they're going to have accountability around them. So, you know, you don't ever have to worry about these kids, you know, slacking off, not not working. You know, they've got people around them that, that are going to hold them to higher standards. I mean – you think that Sertan or you know, Joe Horn want their names to, you know, be run around or run down? I mean, it's small stuff like that. I mean, I know that's stuff that people may not even think about, but, you know, that, that plays a part in, in a lot of this. I wonder if he's if, if Horn's got the flip phone ready to bring out. You know, it'd be nice. Sure, <laughs> I wonder if he's sure, got the flip I'm phone sure underneath, if, underneath if the flip phone ready to bring it out. If there's, a, if there's a pick six, that'd be interesting <laughs> to see. if, if he, That'd be a cool he, homage to dad. Yeah. Yeah, there's, the there's a bunch of sons in this draft. You got a Sante Samuel Jr. as well. Mm-hmm. So. And he's a guy that I didn't really dive into you because he's probably more of a, a second round pick. Later on, yeah, later on. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, he's a little bit smaller. But we'll talk about them on a different episode. But yeah, so I was surprised at the at the corner class. I mean, this corner class is really good. It's probably just as good as the receiver core in this class. Um, 
He's a good draft overall, man. I mean, Noah Fonwu is 6'3 out of Syracuse. I mean, he's no joke either. Um, you know, Robinson from UCF, we were at his pro day um, this past week. That's a, that's a, he'd be more of a corner. If our guys got there at eight with how deep this draft is, I would love to see a trade back, take the asset you get, pair that with your second round pick, get back into the first round. Yeah. And have two mid two mid to late first round picks. I would because this is a deep draft. That I would not hate to see that at all. No. And we're going into this with with nine draft picks to start. So I mean, we got. We're not going to take. We're, I don't think we're going to use yeah. nine this year. I, I really don't. So. Do we? Little we Marty more, special. Little Marty special. Three people, six rounds. Three yeah, yeah. three. People, three six round picks. People uh, hated on that. Um, the Marty trade back up for. Uh, oh my gosh! Now. I mentioned it now. It's, you're not going to mention. You're not going to say Everett Brown. No, no. Okay. I was talking about when we took when we took Jay Stu and we um we traded back up for the tackle and now for some reason oh the oh, oh the dude who got Aaron. hurt we traded to um, yeah he was so he was he was at, people label him as Marty's only first round bust and I why is it not this is this I don't is know like dude this is asshole for not knowing but but uh yes. that he was actually good but he just got hurt um. And talking he about the, tra- he was the Okung draft. He went before Okung, right? I think so. God, what was his name? Um, I, this is so. Dude, bad. This is gonna be, when people hear this, they're gonna be like, "Yeah, yeah." Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna be screaming this, dude. I, I'm gonna mm. have to look this up. And, and, and talking about trading back, I did a mock draft where all the quarterbacks were gone when it got to me, and I didn't love how it was shaking out, so I traded back, and I ended up getting, I ended up not liking what fell to me where I traded back at either and ended up with three second round picks. <laughs> I just did, I did a whole lot of trading in my mock and ended up with like three second round picks, two third round picks, two fourth round picks and two fifth round picks this year. And that's, that's all the only picks I had in the mock. And I actually liked what I came out with. Uh, um, I ended up with a second round tackle, uh, the guy out of San Diego, uh, South Dakota state. I think that's somebody we'll, we'll end up talking about, but I, I do not hate, Trading back if, if if all four quarterbacks are gone and, and Pitts and Chase and, and if it sets up that way. Well, we're not ending this podcast before I find this name because this is going to bother me. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. I, this is driving me crazy. Yeah, because we only got like a sixth or seventh round pick for him. Like when we did when we did yeah. ship him out. And right. was it to the Jets? I don't I don't remember, but I know Jets that he started the season really really strong and then got hurt. Because it was like, dang, Marty's a genius. He traded back up in the in the first for this guy, and now this is awful. I, if, if 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 I hadn't thought, if the thought just hadn't jumped into my head because of the conversation, I would be able to spit his name out. But this is probably the 2010 draft. It's when Jay. Oh, Stu- well, oh wait, no, 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 that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. It would be 08 then. It's Jay Stu. Jay yeah. Stu. While we're waiting, so next week we're going to talk about. Uh, rounds two through seven, and then the week the week prior to the draft, are we going to do do a mock, a full mock for the Panthers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's we can talk about that a little bit. We gonna oh, what we got? What we got, Matt? Ma- Jeff Ota. That's it. Oh my god! How did I forget that, dude? Yeah. How did we forget that? It's so bad. I feel like such a bad fan right now. So that but, uh, yeah, that was the Ryan. As soon as you said, as soon as you said it, it, it I was like, oh, that made sense. But I, I just couldn't remember the name. But let's clear this up. You guys, Matt and Wesley, will be discussing rounds two through seven. Corey will be in sunny Puerto Rico. Ooh, so, nice. 
We got two man two man pot again next week. All right. Yeah, take a take a trip to uh, old San Juan. I haven't been in probably twenty two years now, but yeah, Puerto Rico's great. Anytime you can get out there, man. You know, it's cheap. You don't need a passport. Uh, I got my chubbies ready. I can't. All right, so we'll talk about rounds two through seven, and the following week we'll do the the full mock. We, do you, are we going to do the full the full first round? Everyone, or are we going to do first round up to eight, and then and then just the rest of the Panthers picks? How we want uh, to? We get everybody I mean, ready for that. Yeah, we can probably do an entire first round mock. Just do a snake draft. We'll just rotate. Sounds I feel good. you know that might as well be entertaining, at least for the people at least get some names out there. Perfect for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then they, also, we are talking about doing a Twitch or some sort of live uh, draft reaction the night of the draft. We're still working on figuring out those details. Um, but if you have any interest in, in joining us for a live reaction draft, then uh, reach out to us, let us know. I was going to say, that is – give me the – remind me of the date of the draft. Um, I know it's a Thursday. I believe. Okay. We got some time on that. And then probably after the draft, probably start having some guests on here. Anybody you guys want us to reach out to? 29th is the, the round one night, 29th, Thursday. 29th, put it on the calendar. Yeah, we can go live at least till, until our pick and post-reaction, I'm sure. Yeah. It, if nothing gets thrown, nothing gets broke. <laughs> you remember the Kelvin Benjamin draft, Matt? Yeah, I remember everything about it. I thought that that was a for sure thing. You remember the Lions game where he made that catch on the sideline, and then afterwards those guys were like, you know, you're never going to a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and that was the whole – we beat that. Yeah, that was that was the Wiz Khalifa day. Yep. Cheeseburger Eddie. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe – him and Eddie Lacy and Sean May all just – why did he not just decide to pivot to to tight end and and why did he just quit and just because I think he could have I think he could have been a decent tight end at, at that fat weight he got to I think at the, with the weight <laughs> the, the weight in the ACL I think we're, that was just the end of it you know he didn't want to lose weight after the ACL and your body just can't it's not the same as it was before so I think that that realistically is why you know he didn't pan out but you look at what he did his first two seasons you know, it's pretty damn good I mean what could have been the catch over Sherman, the 50-yard catch. Uh, I mean, yeah, just the whole tall experiment just unfortunately didn't work out for us. But I mean, Devin Borges is in a good You took – you, Is that what you're trying to tell me? He <laughs> took two players with the maturity level of my nine-year-old brother. Yeah, so. that's really what it did. You know, people taking – don't want to take blame for their mistakes. You know, look where it got him. I mean, Funch just opted out last season. I'm, he's still unsigned for this season. Maybe he'll end up back at Green Bay or something. And, and we talk about Cam not having weapons. They did try to give them to him. They just didn't pan out. And that, yeah. that's that's the shame there, too. Yeah, they, tried, I mean, they, they tried to give him two two weapons there with that. And, I mean, those picks pan out. You might be talking about a different, a slightly different Cam Newton career tra- a, trajectory, even with the MVP. I mean, we had a dinosaur running our, our team, though, you know. Guy thinking it was the 1930s, and he hog, was drafting hog the- mollies. Yeah, that, that I just act like that just didn't happen, and unfortunately, that I mean, yeah, we got we got to the Super Bowl because of that, but at the same point, man, like you screwed up so much for us. And this, I mean, I'm not going to dive into this because this will take another 45 minutes. But the, whole, <laughs> but, the but the people that are clamoring Mac Jones this, Mac Jones that, but still shit on Cam Newton and and all this, man. 
Yes. This summer, this summer, just when, say when it. Just say it. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> this summer, when when things calm down, we just need that. We we've got to have just two hours of cam talk. Just let's get it out. But um, to those guys, I say go get in your F one fifty and um, go hang out with your cousin and whatever whatever else we want to want to say about the f-150 twitter there there's a lot Corey knows that i have showed my ass plenty of times when it comes to comes to these arguments i've had throwdowns at family events (laughs) and family functions with people where i was about to fight over cam so we need that episode to happen we're gonna get it out my my friend group i i am the, the cam guy in my friend group and and it's every single time we have a, a guy's trip it's th- th- there becomes a knockdown drag out about cam newton yep every time like, every single time and and then at this point i think it's a bit that they do yeah. they they yeah. intentionally say shit just to get the reaction out of me but it's if you've ever seen the meme on twitter it's like where somebody's got a long ass message they type out or somebody's in this heated argument it's like what player are you defending like this i think all three of us here it's cam newton Till the day I die. Yep. It's been that way ever since the man got with well, no since he was in college. I mean the Harvey Updike shit. I mean it just keeps going and go. Hey, put a scam Newton jersey. I seen when they put a scam. So let me tell you what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man, it's just been day one shit, man, and it's never gonna end. Now it's just transitioning to New England, and I hope to God that that they uh, win the division this year. And what what's hilarious is to see. Everybody's saying like it's the, the Cam Newton experiment and, and New England was bad and it's over and needs to be over. And then every single player they interviewed for New England last right. last off, off this offseason is right. like Cam Cam still got it. Cam's great. Like the, not, none of the losses were Cam's fault. Like Cam, we want Cam. Like people wanted like openly saying we want Cam back. We and, we, and, and the media is still like Cam's not the answer. It's not it, Cam's not the right fit. And it's, none of that was Cam's fault. We saw, we saw, we thought that we had a lack of weapons in Carolina for Cam's career, dude. Yeah. What they were rolling with out there last year was criminal. Jacoby I mean, Myers, Demir Bird, Keneal Harry, like, um, and then the, Edelman. Edelman, Edelman for what four games? Yeah, he got hurt. Game. Yeah, Keneal Harry. Have you watched him? He runs in slow motion. It's like I've never seen a more unathletic wide receiver. Like, yeah, but, hey, but his size. Like he's just. I, I was like, are you moving? Like it's like uh, when you see somebody just running in slow motion. I, I just can't. It's like watching Bismack trying to catch a pass. And and we've all seen the tight end be his safety valve, and they had the least tight end production in the league last year. Yeah, with two guys, two. I mean, and they went and specifically tried to address it in the draft with two different guys, and they both sucked. I say it again. We're going to see this year, though. It's almost if they had a plan going into this offseason. And it's almost as if – and if you listen to Cam on the I Am Athlete podcast, his episode, he talks about he wouldn't want it any other way with not having an offseason. And and people still find a way to hate on the man. It's like, you know, the dude faced all this adversity, you know, not having an offseason, having to deal with COVID, you know, not having any weapons and still led to, what, seven and nine this year? Yeah. And it's just like, man, like, what else are you going to knock him on him for? It's we've uh, we've got to stop. We've got we're we're falling this, into the this trap. Gonna, this is going to turn we into a three-hour stop. episode. We got to say, <laughs> dude, it's uh, yeah. I was going somewhere with that, and I, I'm I'm maybe it was just down a rabbit hole, but I was yeah. gonna I was gonna end that with a you just if you don't think Cam Newton still can go out here and win games, the man had a better they had a better win loss record than we did last year. But I'm going to tell you one thing. When they come back to Charlotte this year, there's going to be some fights somewhere. 
in that stadium. It's going to get nasty, and I can't yeah. wait to be there. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be a, a tough day. That's going to be two – I might have on two number one Panther blue quarterback jerseys, though, this year. I'm, I, I might have my Cam and uh, my Justin Fields one. Well, <laughs> I'm, 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 ready, I'm ready for it. I'll be repping a Cam jersey no matter what. Oh, oh yeah. If, if, if Cam, when Cam comes to town, even if Fields is our quarterback with number one, I'm wearing the Cam. But I'll, I'll, you guys were saying that, that Fields, Fields couldn't have one. I, I am ready to hand one over to somebody else if it's Fields and only if it's Fields. Only Fields. And, and even then, I'm going to be like, eh, iffy about it. These, yeah. Last thing I'll say about this. When you, <laughs> when you, when you had to watch – Jimmy Clausen and Brian St. Pierre and the ghost of Vinny Testaverde all throw passes the year before Cam came in. I mean, you don't know what struggle is. When you – David Geddes, I mean, um, Corey knows how I feel about that man. But, yeah, I, I hate that that ACL <laughs> happened. But that was literally the only person we had on offense that year. Yeah. Um, and sadly. But watching terrible quarterback play and then watching the bullshit we had to watch for the past two seasons, no, I'm, I'm kind of – done on giving anybody a second chance and seeing how long this whole disaster can go for it's it's is it safe to say cam's number one on all of our lists when we finally do get in that top five panthers discussion uh yeah i, mean, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up real quick i, I was yeah, pretty sure that no. was the case but i wanted There's, to make sure most people will say steve or i'm sure you can make a case for one or two other guys but yeah it's there's nobody that's done more for this franchise over the last X amount of years. Yeah, and I'm, I've been saying it for about a year now. I mean, I just don't understand how you just go and cut the best player in franchise history. But uh, yeah, when we do that, when we do that, <laughs> I guess I will, I will gladly say about how much we messed that up and the entire offseason. I mean, I was, I don't know. It, I'm gonna write, I was, I'm gonna write a full blown like college thesis paper i had i had some some, some not so pleasant be... pleasant thoughts toward you know because what, what, end, what ends up happening is i get going and then i get excited and my my thoughts just that they're just exactly going exactly what's happening right now is what what happens every single yes. time this comes up because we've gone off the rails for like 15 <laughs> minutes about this yeah shit. that's that's what it's gonna be that's that's the episode's gonna be it's just gonna be you know everybody just there's no topic it's just gonna be talking and getting it all out and then hopefully we move on but no, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Can I tell? Can I tell one story before we go off this? Please do, because I know yes. it's going to be a good okay. One. <laughs> that, that, I don't want to save this for the. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it again for the cam episode. But Matt, I don't know if you remember this Twitter interaction. There was this kid who went to App who I was kind of friends with. Uh, I mean, we we were kind of cool. Was no big thing, but I, he hated Cam. He called him Pam. He called him Scam. Just one of those dudes that just just loved to bash Cam every single Sunday. It was just tweet after tweet over the first incompletion on. And um, this was in this was in the end of 2014, and literally like as the season ended, and I made a bet with the kid. I said, look, I said that Cam Newton will win a Super Bowl or an MVP in the next three years. And this is all on Twitter, guys. You can you go to my Twitter. You can you can search for it. You can find it. It's all there. Uh, the whole thing, the time stamps, the, the time dates and everything. And I told him, I was like, I'll bet you he's going to win a Super Bowl or an MVP in the next three years. And this was 2014. He said, I will hand you the keys to my Mercedes Benz if that happens. And I saved the receipts. And I still don't have that Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Pay so mad. him his money. Give me my bins. <laughs> the, uh, 
Oh man, I was yeah. There was the one thing I was going to add to that, but I don't think I even should at this point. So <laughs> just to try to get this up, but I will I will end with this as far as the cam thing goes, and we'll save the rest for some other day. But Panthers fans, there were a lot of y'all that were trashing this man Uh-oh. prior to 2015. You and know who everybody you are. everybody hopped on for one year. And they hop right back off. They hop right back off. And then when Cam gets released, oh, y'all did Cam wrong. Y'all did Cam wrong. Cam's the best quarterback we ever had. But they wasn't saying that just two seasons prior. So Everything was was Cam's fault for his entire career with us. uh, A 100%. Where's the Derek Anderson guys at? Because that was a big thing for a long time. Derek Anderson's a better quarterback. Derek Anderson needs. Derek start. Anderson's more accurate. I tell you what, guys, you just saw an entire season with Derek Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater. So. I tell you what, he's just a better quarterback. He's just a Cam want to play running back. Putting Derek in <laughs> up there in the five hundred. But, but what's funny is those same guys, yet. those same guys that that wanted Derek, they hate Teddy. But there's 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 one difference in the two. Ooh, oh, yeah. what's that difference? <laughs> what is it? You tell me. You tell me, Corey. <laughs> Uh, it's been, it's been that's I think it has Jerry, to do with a pigment. That's the Jerry Richardson right there. The that's what that is. The F one fifty Twitter guys. Sweet tea, good old boys. Yeah, I just like my quarterback to have a little sportsmanship. That's all it is. And and, and character, I, he, they can't have any character issues. <laughs> you, my star quarterback, dragging his leg around. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's a bunch we, of books we, we need, we need to stop. Here. <laughs> yeah, guys, I don't even think we're gonna make it to our top five Panthers today. So no, we're gonna end this. We're gonna wrap this up. We've yeah. been on this for for almost the hour and a half, hour forty minutes. So guys, sorry we kind of got off off track here. Next week, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to get back on track here. Corey will be uh, living life down there in sunny Puerto Rico, getting a nice case case of COVID out there. So hey. <laughs> No, the man, the man is uh, protected. So we'll be back full group here in two weeks. Corey will be enjoying vacation. Uh, I will actually be here again, not gambling money away, being a degenerate or moving. So we'll be good there and be me and Wes carrying this next week. So um, as always, guys, anything you want to add before I wrap this up? Thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, follow us on social media. Yeah, man. Please, uh, please leave some feedback for us on uh, on uh, where we're actually Apple, Spotify. I don't know if you can leave reviews on Spotify. I, I'm, that's not my platform, but um, yeah, give us some feedback here. It helps meets a ton. Five star ratings, please. Probably do a giveaway here soon once we hit a certain number of either followers on Twitter or, or something. Show you some Panthers gear. Yeah, uh, and, and we. And if you do, if you do like us, if you do follow us, if you, 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 all that jazz, you know, just share us, you know, that helps us out a lot. If you, you have a friend who's a Panther fan, you know, somebody who likes to listen to podcasts or just an NFL fan, you know, just, just pass us along, you know, tell, tell your friends to check us out because it really helps us out. We really appreciate it. So. Yeah. And, and we've got an awesome, awesome logo that a friend of ours created. And we've, we've talked about putting those on some t-shirts. Yeah. So maybe, maybe let us know if you're interested in some t-shirts or, or, or merch of that. And we'll, maybe we'll do a giveaway with that too. Right. You know, we're not here to break news. We're just to talk about news that happens and kind of give a, a, a level-headed fan's reaction to it with a little bit of insight. So, like I said, we're no different than you guys. 
uh, we're all in this together. So hopefully we just here to just uh, provide a little bit of knowledge, especially in this important time of uh, our off season. So guys, as always, we'll uh, see you next week. Um, feel free to shoot us an email, follow us on Twitter, leave us any uh, comments, criticism, feedback, uh, anything you want to talk about. Uh, but talk a little bit more about the prospects uh, that you guys want to hear more about. Uh, but like I said, we'll be back next week to dive into uh, later round prospects two through seven. So feel free to uh, check us out then. All right. See you guys. Later.